You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined by my friend Chris Flum. And Chris, I got to be honest, man, the draft is now over. We had a couple days to stew on all of this. How are you feeling about the New York Giants approach? And also, how are you doing now that you don't need to cram so many scouting reports into your day? It it is honestly a little bit weird. I feel like a complete lazy slug right now, just kind of going through everything and not, you know, seriously grinding tape, which is the thing you are doing right now, which, you know, take some time, get some sleep. (laughs) I need some sleep, to be honest with you. I'm going to be rusty. I'm going to try to power through this, though. But Chris, man, I think this was a good inaugural draft for Joe Shane. And I might have mispronounced that, but for Joe Shane and Brian Dable here in New York, I think it was an interesting draft in terms of a lot of these selections being high developmental type of types of picks who may not be relied on during the 2022 NFL season, other than, you know, obviously Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal. But what was your overall feel about Joe Shane's first draft as a general manager? You know, I think we would need some seriously unforeseen circumstances for the for this draft to not hit. A big part of that is the presence of Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal. You know, those guys have extremely high floors. They've got sky-high ceilings, but they've also got extremely high floors. They will be contributors day one, and they will be, they should be, you know, you, you can't say anything with complete certainty, but they should be, you know, cornerstone players for the foreseeable future so you look at a draft and generally if you can get two good starters out of that draft you're doing pretty well if you can get two starters and a role player or two that draft is a hit so the giants they at least got on first base maybe even hit a double with their first two picks you know whether or not this draft turns into a home run or you know just a ground rule double will really depend on how the rest of these guys develop. How many baseball references can we fit into the Chris and Nick show today? Let's hope we don't strike out. How about that? All right, but... Hey, hey, hey. Yo, the Mets and the Yankees are both in first place. They both have sky-high run differentials. So, you know, I, I feel like beginning of May, baseball references are okay. Hey, I welcome it as well. And we are going to be going over in the next coming weeks, each player that was drafted by the New York Giants and some of the UDFAs and how they can fit onto the 2022 roster and beyond. This episode is more of a broad 30,000 foot view of the draft. And I kind of want to start with this consensus board that has kind of made its way around Twitter. It is basically the NFL draft positions that were selected versus the consensus big board rankings of media pundits, guys like Mel Kuyper and Daniel Jeremiah. And if you look at this analysis, you'll see that the New York Giants had three selections that, according to this chart, were wide reaches. 
And those selections were Wandale Robinson, the wide receiver out of Kentucky in the second round, Joshua Azudu, the offensive guard out of North Carolina, and then Cordell Flott. So basically the entire day two portion of the draft, according to this chart that was put together by The Athletic, was a reach for the New York Giants. What are your thoughts on this? The consensus boards are obviously always general. Those of us on the outside, we don't know how teams perceive their own needs. Speaking to the Giants specifically, we have no idea what they're going to look like schematically. Like We have an idea of what Wink Martindale is going to do, but we don't know what his mind is. We have no idea how Mike Kafka and Brian Dayball are going to uh, mesh together, how their various backgrounds are going to fit together and what they are planning offensively. So that, that I think is part of what made predicting the Giants draft in particular so difficult. But also generally speaking, those of us on the outside, and there's a draft Twitter is pretty deep. There's a lot of good scouts out there, good evaluators. So the consensus board overall is generally pretty accurate. Like we tend to get a good idea of who players are, but then that, that doesn't really account for how they fit into their new teams. So guys who are considered steals on the consensus board can wind up being busts just because they didn't fit in with their team. The coaches did don't do a good job of developing them. Uh, we've seen that quite a bit with the giants over the last uh, decade or so, but then you also have guys that are perceived as reaches who wind up paying off big time for their teams because the fit is just perfect. Uh, we don't know which of these guys on day two and beyond are going to, are going to pan out and which are not. So, it does look like the Giants reached, particularly on day th- on day two, but we won't know for a little while just how well the, the draft strategy will pay off. And I can assure you, Joe Shane does not give an F what some of the draft pundits around NFL draft media thinks. He's going to target his guys, and I respect that. I don't. Wa- I want him to get the individuals that he thinks makes the New York Giants the most competitive football team, not just this year but in the future, in the years to come. And I think that's what he did. And it's interesting, and I want to kind of start here with Cordell Flock. So according to the consensus big board, Chris, Cordell Flock was the second biggest reach in the draft behind the San Francisco 49er pick, the running back out of LSU, Tyrion Davis-Price. Shortly after Cordell Flock was selected, the Tennessee Titans chose Malik Willis and the Philadelphia Eagles chose Nicobe Dean. And both of those guys, according to this chart, were the values. Is Cordell Flott a wildly important pick for the New York Giants right now because he's always going to be compared to Nicobe Dean and possibly this breakout high potential quarterback in Malik Willis? I feel like there's a lot of pressure on this 20-year-old cornerback out of LSU. You know, I, I don't know how much pressure is on, is on him just because you can kind of compare a a cornerback to an off-ball linebacker. They're, they're going to have some of the same duties. I'm not sure how closely you can compare any skill position player to a quarterback because if a quarterback hits, yeah, the impact he is going to have will be bigger than 
yeah, any other you know, any other position like uh, even just a modest hit with Malik Willis Flot would have to be Darrell Revis to compete so that that isn't a fair judgment that's kind of like going back a few years to where we say oh uh Sam Darnold and Saquon Barkley are always going to be compared because everybody thought the Giants were going to draft Darnold they wound up taking Barkley Darnold wound up going to the Jets and you know we're what four years later and are people really comparing Saquon Barkley to Sam Darnold no they're not and I don't really necessarily think it's a fair comparison but I do however feel like if Cordell Flott has a Jerron Hosley type of career here in New York and Malik Willis ends up being an all pro you're going to hear a ton of giant fans saying well they could have had Malik Willis but they went with this Jerron Hosley type of guy and I don't think Flott will have that type of career I'm actually interested in his skill set and excited to talk to you about it but I do hear that in the future if that ends up kind of materializing yeah, I, I'm always a little wary of those just because, you know, how much of that is just post-draft uh, fan speculation, creation from, you know, some of our peers out here in the media just kind of looking for story angles. A lot of it is. <laughs> a lot of it is. Chris, so Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal, I think we can pencil them in. They're going to be starters. Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be the face of this defense for years to come. Evan Neal is going to form a dynamic tandem with Andrew Thomas at tackle. Both top 10 picks who are starting at offensive tackle. I don't think there's another team in the league with two top 10 picks at offensive tackle, let alone the offensive line. Someone pointed that out to me on Twitter, and I thought it was an excellent point. I kind of racked my brain. I didn't look it up. I don't know if there's an offense – Offensive line that has two top 10 picks starting for them right now. That's neither here nor there, though. But I kind of want to just touch briefly on Wandale Robinson because that was a controversial pick. They have a plan for Wandale Robinson. Is his skill set similar to Kadarius Toney? Yes. Joe Shane addressed that. He said, is that a bad thing? I think that's an excellent point by Joe Shane. I think there's so many creative things you can do in a 10 or 11 personnel package when you have mismatched guys that you can get the football in their hands very, very quickly and have them make people miss in space. You don't need to necessarily even run deep vertical concepts, which they will do, but a lot of quick hitting type of passes, low risk type of plays to Wanda Robinson or Kadarius Tony can kind of help move this offense and set up more explosive plays downfield. So what was your overall thought on this Wandell Robinson selection? I am with you. The Wandell Robinson is a surprise. You know, you, I think you do have to wonder how he and Tony are going to fit together. I think we will probably delve a little bit more deeply into that as we start to sink our teeth into these individual prospects and then yeah, our kind of overall plan is to try to work towards seeing how all of these pieces can come together. You know, I think the Giants absolutely have a plan for how they want to incorporate Robinson into their offense. I Making him a second-round pick, they have to get him to be productive. Like You can't have a player drafted in the first three rounds who isn't at least an important role player for your team. You know, that has been an issue that has plagued the Giants for a long time, where they would get guys in the second or third round who would just not contribute. They wouldn't produce. They couldn't either get them to develop and they or they couldn't get them to really fit within their various schemes. So there's a they, giant there's a giant that comes to my mind with that too, Chris. Uh, 
Which one? You'll have to be a little bit more specific. I mean, if we're thinking particularly the third round. (laughs) Second round pick out of Miami, Sonoris Moss. That's a bit of a deep cut. I think we could have gone with, uh, well, most third rounders lately. Uh, Jaron Hosley, who you mentioned before. He was a quick press man corner out of Virginia Tech. Don't say Jer- don't don't say Jarrell Jernigan. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yeah, Jarrell Jernigan. Although the uh, you know that that last quarter of the season there, he had John Mayer pretty incensed with how well he played, and then the Giants didn't realize he could play until they absolutely needed him to, and then he left. And then he so, left. and I just want to be clear too. I'm sorry if I cut you oh, off there, Chris. Go ahead. We're, we're not saying that Wando Robinson will become that. We're just saying that there is a plan in place, and I feel like the Giants have to execute on this plan because reality says Wando Robinson is an outlier in the sense that he is five foot eight. He is sub one hundred and eighty pounds. There aren't a lot of five foot eight sub one hundred and eighty pound players who have had big impact, and he also has historically bad arm length, which is important. Now, I think the kid is so tough. I love his film, but when you make that selection in the top fifty. There is some risk there, which is fine. I mean, a lot of the NFL draft carries risk. A lot of these picks, they have risk. I just hope that they stick to that plan and they figure it out with Wondell Robinson because I do believe he can be a true difference maker if used the right way. Yeah, and just speaking to how he falls outside of the usual NFL thresholds, that's something that Mark Schofield brings up where you know these thresholds exist kind of for a reason. And it's a lot of CYA among among GMs and coaches where if a player doesn't pan out, but he fits the, the mold of having all of the quantifiable tools that successful players have, well, then that's a failure. They can, they can survive. They can look at it and say, well, listen, it isn't our fault. The player didn't pan out. We picked the guy who has the prototypical height. He's got the big hands he's got the speed he has the you know whatever you the archetype is for that position it's when you go outside of those archetypes and those thresholds where guys start to take executives and coaches start to take on personal risk and that could i suppose speak to how sure they are in wandale robinson and how sure they are of their plan with him now the the fit they're alongside Kadarius Tony, which Tony is more athletic. Yeah, you know, I've seen fans comparing Wondell Robinson to Tyreek Hill, and you know, I'm sorry, but stop. He is nowhere yeah. near the same type of athlete as Tyreek is. It's just no. In fact, Wondell Robinson, at least according to his uh, those measurable, quantifiable traits, was the second least athletic of the Giants' draft. Uh, of their rookies or their, their draftees, that is, you know, uh, Evan Neal didn't work out. So we have, we have to put him off to the side, but it, it's basically uh, DJ Javidson and then Wandale Robinson right there at the bottom. So, you know, Joe Shane and Brian Dable kind of are going out on a limb with Wandale Robinson, but that means they must have a plan. Now, whether or not it's a good plan, whether or not it pays off, whether or not they can incorporate two guys with very similar skill sets into the same offense and not just have it be redundant and countered by a defense that remains to be seen. 
Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And I also find it somewhat refreshing that Joe Shane is saying, yes, he's an outlier, but this is our guy. We like him. We like his tape. We loved our interviews with him, the Zoom calls. We're going to go out and we're going to get him after trading down twice. We feel comfortable enough to make the selection here in the second round. There might be better consensus wide receivers available, Sky Moore, Alec Pierce, George Pickens, but Wandale is our guy and we know what we're going to do with him. And I do believe that is refreshing, although I did find the pick to be a little bit peculiar. I'm going to wait and see. I'm not going to sit here and bash it and say it was an absolute reach or anything like that. I'm just going to say you have to make sure that you adhere to that plan because this is a top 50 selection. But we're going to talk about Wondell Robinson in the future on a future podcast specifically about him. I kind of want to mention the next selection, which is Joshua Azudu, because the Giants drafted three offensive linemen in this draft, two of them played with each other at North Carolina. They spent a fifth-round pick on Marcus McKeithen and obviously Azudu in the third round. I love the fact that they targeted that UNC offensive line, got two pretty solid guards. I would say McKeithen, to me, from what I've seen, is much more of a developmental pick who kind of struggles with balance because he leans into contact a little bit too often. But Azudu is a very good run defender who has incredibly strong hands and can just move bodies off of the line of scrimmage. I think his pass protection, when he's moving backwards, is definitely a little herky-jerky, a little wonky, specifically at offensive tackle. But I can see a world where Azudu ends up starting for the Giants year one, maybe more so towards the like middle of the season. But I kind of like this pick, and I did not know much about him before the draft. Yeah, the, I think the Giants' inside interior offensive line is going to be a really intriguing storyline to follow throughout the spring and the summer. Like Right now, Azudu is... His competition is basically Shane Lemieux, Ben Bredesen, and I believe the I believe Max Garcia is also on the depth chart on the left side, but he is also, I think, the primary depth at center. Yeah. So you know, none of those guys have really high ceilings. Like, you know, we've seen Shane Lemieux, really strong run blocker, country strong run blocker. Uh not particularly great at pass protection. Ben Bredesen is fine. Like he, he doesn't leap off the field in, as a pass protector or run blocker. But I, I don't think he was a terrible liability either. So I think there is a direct route for Zudu to start for the Giants this year. Yeah, you know, he has, I, he has a good chance and something to work for. On the other hand, his versatility 
could make him an incredibly important depth piece. Like he has played reasonably significant snaps at left tackle, left guard, right guard, and right tackle. You know, a four tool player who could be your sixth man and come on and back up four different positions. You know, basically being kind of like a Kevin Booth super sub is a really useful a useful piece to have on your roster. That could save you two roster spots on your you know game day active roster. So that could make it worth it in and of itself. Yes, it could. And they now, according to our lads, with Matt Parrott, who was injured, have 17 offensive linemen. Talk about addressing the offensive line <laughs> during an offseason because all of those veteran guys that they signed for $1 million against the cap, and then you come back around and select three dudes, I absolutely love it. But I also feel like another area of need here for the New York Giants – was the secondary, and it was addressed in this draft twice with slot cornerback out of LSU, Cordell Flott, which the chart says is a reach, but I think he's a scrappy player who might need a redshirt year to add some weight, good man coverage skills, long disrupted through the catch point, and then versatile hybrid type of safety who can also align in the box, be an overhang defender, Dane Belton out of Iowa. What were your thoughts on these two selections, and are you comfortable with the Giants' secondary as currently constructed? <sighs> Well, as currently constructed, I think it's okay. Yeah, we, we don't know what is up with James Bradbury. Yeah. Uh, it really does look like the Giants are going to have to move on from him just to get the kind of, just to get the money to sign these rookies. Yeah, they're going to have to come up with somewhere between 10 and $12 million. Yeah, it, it, with some of the undrafted free agents, which we haven't talked about because I believe they're not really final just yet as we record and there's going to be some churn there especially with rookie minicamp coming up so the as the as the secondary stands right now i think it's fine i'm not sure exactly how well it fits with what wink martindale really wants to do particularly because you've got bradbury out there who is really more of a of an off coverage guy like he is not the get in receivers face disrupt them and get in their hip pocket and stay there through the whole route type cornerback he is much better at baiting quarterbacks into throwing and then slamming that window shut which worked great for Patrick Graham but Graham and Wink are two different defensive coordinators they've got different backgrounds they are they have different philosophies Without Bradbury there, I'm curious to see how Aaron Robinson would transition to the outside. Yeah, I thought he was much better as a slot corner at Central Florida. I liked what I saw from him last last season. It was kind of a weird season from him with the uh, sports hernia, core muscle surgery. He didn't get a real a real rookie offseason or preseason to develop and grow into his role. I am honestly not sure how he would handle a transition to the outside just because those are two different skill sets. I think he can handle it, but it's still risky. And I'm a little concerned with the cornerback depth right now. I know they signed a couple guys in undrafted free agency. They signed the safety out of San Diego state, which I got around to some of his film and he's an interesting guy in the undrafted free agency, but we're not going to talk about undrafted free agents right now. I want to also ask about the tight end position. Chris, because Daniel Bellinger, 
was the selection in the fourth round at a San Diego State, same school as uh, Thompson. I haven't gotten around to much of his film. From what I've seen, seems like a good blocker, sturdy at the point of attack, loses slowly enough, as we said. I feel like he was an effective short to intermediate option, not necessarily somebody who's going to stretch the field vertically. I know he had that one play where he caught like a tight end screen and he took it pretty far, showing good just overall speed and athletic ability on that play. But his film, from what I've seen so far, something to do a little bit of work didn't strike me as an elite type of athlete or anything like that. I know they also signed Austin Allen out of Nebraska, who's like a six foot nine tight end. That's pretty, pretty interesting. So how do you feel right now about the tight end position with Ricky Seals Jones, Jordan Nakins, Daniel Bellinger, and we'll even throw Austin Allen in there because I feel like he is a unique player that I love the fact that they were able to get him as a priority free agent. You know, I think there's a world where Bellinger sees the field quite a bit. You know, I think we can put Ricky Seals Jones off to the side a little bit because he's not a true tight end. He is a hybrid tight end. He's one of these move flex tight ends, which those guys can be incredibly valuable for the right offense in the right situation. I don't know how much the giants are going to use that just because we don't know what their offense is going to look like just yet. Yeah. I suppose I could see a, see a world in which, uh, Seals Jones and Bellinger are kind of the Giants one and two tight ends and they're running a lot of 12 personnel but using these guys as much more of a wide receiver or receiver receiving options and getting a lot of tight end screens uh catch and run opportunities. Yeah, Bellinger was he was surprisingly good at the combine. I I didn't expect that from what I saw of his tape. Yeah, he didn't play with the kind of uh, measurable athleticism that he showed at the combine. You know, we said in our live stream after the draft that he isn't a lumbering tight end, but he didn't look like an, an elite athlete on the tape. You know, the word I thought of at the time and kind of keep coming back to is rolling where once he gets going, he kind of keeps going and he can be athletic enough, but he doesn't look particularly explosive. He doesn't look particularly dynamic, which is what his combine workout would suggest he is. Yeah. I think he is a developmental guy. I could see him having a similar role as like a Kevin, uh, a Kevin boss type tight end to go back in time just a little bit where he can block well enough. He can be a good option where he's not just, a safety blanket in the receiving game. Is he Kelsey or Gronk? No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody's, hopefully nobody's saying that. And you know what? If Daniel Bellinger catches a huge pass in the Super Bowl to start the fourth quarter up the seam, I will love that in his rookie season, right? And I think another player that kind of falls into the, he tested a little bit better than he looked on film. And I want to get your take on this because I know you've seen him is the Giants last pick in the draft in the sixth round, Darian Beavers out of Cincinnati. Like this player. I think he's versatile. You can use him on the edge. You can put him in the box. He's very, very physical, has that hit stick type of mentality, but he tested really, really well at the combine for someone of his size. And I thought he was a little bit slower in terms of his play speed on tape. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. He was, Another again, another guy who tested surprisingly well. Like, I suppose maybe it comes down to the training some of these guys are doing in the over the course of the draft process, where they're just getting like almost Olympic 
track level coaching in how to run the 40 and getting yeah coaching down to the the most minute detail in how to do their jumps and go through the short shuttle and the three cone drill and they are really using technique to score so well but it's technique that doesn't really translate to the football field where you know guys aren't lining up in a you know a three-point sprint stance and then running 40 yards down the field for the most part that doesn't happen a whole you know that doesn't happen a whole lot in a football game i the next time i see it might be the first time i see it i also think darian beavers could be somebody if he makes the 53 who wink martindale can use in a variety of different ways i think he can find the field but maybe not as often as my favorite value in this draft, which was the other linebacker the Giants selected in the fifth round, Micah McFadden out of Indiana. I am almost done with his film, and from everything that I've seen so far, I really like what this kid offers in the box. I feel like he is, and I said this on, uh, I think, another podcast, a poor man's version of Leo Chanel. Guy was ridiculously productive at Indiana. He was used as a blitzer, a penetrator, a looper. He was used on the edge as an apex defender. They dropped him to the deep middle a couple different times. He was fluid enough doing that for a linebacker. He has excellent pursuit, great in the box. And I honestly feel like his instincts were excellent in terms of how he read the blocks in front of him at the first level, and then how he reacted to that, that quick reactionary quickness. And he was also just relentless. So I think he can step in and start next to Blake Martinez. And he kind of reminds me a little bit of Blake Martinez, but that could be my favorite value of the draft. Still got to watch a couple more of these guys, but I really, really appreciated this film so far. Yeah, the, uh, I think McFadden, especially with the way Wink Martindale likes to blitz, players he could see the football field quite a bit like he'll probably have to prove himself but i don't think he's going to languish on special teams for that long before he gets a chance if he can prove himself as a blitzer in in practice and in preseason he's going to get on the field yeah i watching him i i right now i would kind of put him in the same roster range as you know carter coughlin cam brown uh not aziz ojalari uh oshane zimenez but you know maybe he could kind of develop into like almost like a kyler fackrell type player where he is a just a designated pass rusher you you get into a second and long third and long you just get him on the field and send him after quarterbacks. Cause I do like the instincts he shows going downhill, you know, picking out paths into the backfield, finding soft spots and blocking schemes and just penetrating. I think that could be maybe how he starts, but by week three, once Tay Crowder is out of position for the 50th time, I can easily <laughs> see him starting over Tay Crowder if he shows up to camp and everything goes well for him. I, I think it's definitely a, a a good value at that point of the draft. And I want to go over the last guy that we haven't touched on yet, Chris, and that is DJ Davidson out of Arizona State. And I think he is interesting because one thing about this draft, what Joe Shane did, he targeted – Really, really good athletes, as you alluded to before, and also young players. 
the average age of this draft, I think was 22, but that was because DJ Davidson is going to be 25 at the start of the season or by like week three. He's an older type of prospect, but he is a six foot two, 330 pound type of defensive lineman who has quick hands and has gap shooting ability and he can anchor down. I figure he's probably going to be the backup nose tackle to Justin Ellis, to Jelly. So what are your thoughts on DJ Davidson and that draft pick there in the fifth round? Yeah, the, I was I was not surprised to see the Giants dra- draft a nose tackle. I think the only question was which one is it going to be? Yeah, you know, Justin Ellis, he should be the starter and he should be fine. Like he I don't expect you know Dalvin Tomlinson like a play from him, but if he can even replicate what Austin Johnson brought, that's good enough. And DJ Davidson you know, these big guys, they need rest, right? <laughs> you know, you, you can't expect your nose tackle to be out there for, you know, 50 plays a game. They, the big guys, they, they need to go off to the side, maybe have some, have a snack, have a drink, you know, rest up. Cause that's a lot of man to be moving around. <laughs> so if, if you could have DJ Davidson, just get out there, clog up interior gaps and control those a gaps that would allow Wink Martindale to scheme up free rushes for linebackers, secondary players. It also allows Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence to get favorable matchups for themselves, not to mention Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari out there on the edges. So I think there is a definite path to the field for DJ Davidson, and maybe he could develop into being that starting nose tackle going forwards because yeah i know people keep looking at dexter lawrence and seeing nose tackle he is not a nose tackle he he wasn't a nose tackle at clemson he has never been a nose tackle except for maybe a few plays for the giants that just isn't his game he is he is a three technique five technique defensive end he is at his best attacking a single gap and using his power and explosiveness DJ Davidson, Justin Ellis, those guys are strong. They've got great leverage and they can hold up at the point of attack and then maybe push the pocket a little bit. Well said, my man. Do you have any parting thoughts before we get out of here, Chris, about Joe Shane's first draft, the 2022 New York Giants draft class? You know, I I think we've said it about enough for now because we're going to be getting into each and every one of these players. Eventually we'll be getting into undrafted free agency, which I think there are some guys there. If they manage to stick through rookie minicamp who could push some of these draftees and they could make things interesting for mandatory minicamp and training camp. I agree. And I also think it's going to be interesting to see if Joe Shane will cut some of these back end guys, if they don't, show up in camp and really do well and they're outperformed by UDFAs because there are general managers in the NFL that will be like, no, we're sticking with our draft picks. And then they end up cutting a good player. And then the next thing you know, he ends up going to another team and having success. I don't think Joe Shane, he doesn't strike me as that type of general manager, but I guess we'll see. Alrighty, everybody. This is the Chris and Nick show. I am Nick Filato. That is Chris Flum here. I'm Big Blue View Radio. Please head on over to BigBlueView.com. We are covering the draft picks extensively over there. Check out our YouTube page. There's a bunch of videos of myself breaking down some players 
and Ed Valentine doing Valentine's views, interviewing a bunch of people from all across the NFL landscape, and also great articles from Chris Flum and all of the great writers we have over there at Big Blue Views. Check that out if you love Giants content. Everybody take care of each other, be well, and we'll talk to you soon. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Oh, mom. No. <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.